What's up, Purpose Finders? Archie here with another episode of the Discovering Purpose podcast, all right? We've been getting this thing moving, getting this thing on the way, and I'm really excited for today's episode. It features one of my old professors and mentor, Dr. Ed Garrett, or Dr. G for short, and he goes about talking about a lot of cool stuff today, all right? We hit on topics about him uh, working within the Olympics. We talk about how he went about making hard decisions that ended up making his life what it is now and he just goes about giving some some real life knowledge and put people on game on how to go about making those right choices when they arise because every morning we got two choices and he's going to hit on that a little bit later so i'm not going to steal his thunder okay but for all the listeners that have been here to this point i really want to say thank you all right i appreciate you giving me some of your time because you know we can't get any of that back all right And for all the listeners that have gone about subscribing or liking, whether that's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms that this podcast is on, I really want to throw a big, huge shout out. I appreciate you all. And if you haven't gone about subscribing or liking or leaving comments, what y'all doing, man? Hop on, hop on your Spotify, hop on your Apple Podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Give the boy a like or subscribe. Hit some comments so we can get some feedback because I'm trying to get people on here that can relate to all y'all, man. I'm trying to make this something that's really, really special for for everybody, all right? It's about discovering purpose. It's about growing. So with that being said, all right, really appreciate everybody up to this point. We ain't going to do nothing but keep growing at this point, baby. So it's it's all good, okay? So with that being said, let's drop this intro music and get this thing underway. I'm back here with episode four of the Discovering Purpose podcast, and we have a really, really cool guest. Uh, his name is Dr. G, is what we call him, a former, or he was my teacher while I was over at California Baptist University getting my master's degree. Uh, as a side D, has done a bunch of, bunch of cool stuff uh, in the sports world, doing sports psych stuff as well, and I'm really excited to have him on. So without further ado, Dr. G. Uh, Archie, always good to be with you, my friend. <laughs> Oh, man. Glad to see you're doing well. Glad to see you're doing well. So um, every time I start off a specific podcast, the, the first question that I always ask is, what does purpose mean to, to you? Mm, great question. You know, it, it, working in the world of sports psychology, performance psychology, you know, purpose takes on so many different forms and so, so many different meanings. You know, for me, a lot of times purpose really is, did you wake up in the morning with a drive and a dedication to get something done to impact a life, Yeah. uh, to make a difference? If you didn't, then why'd you wake up? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, what is your purpose? I mean, we, every day of life, we are given two choices and life is all about two choices. Yeah. You either go back to bed, Archie, or you can (laughs) get up and get going. You know what I'm saying? Can you feel me? For sure. Yeah. And then when you get up and get going, you can either still go back to bed or you can go take a shower and get going for the day. Yeah. And so life is all about two choices. And I always try to stay more optimistic than pessimistic okay. in my approach and what I do with my clients and my students. And so purpose is about finding a way to wake up in the morning and saying, hey, I want to be used today. I want to, I want to make an impact today. And knowing that purpose is greater than just self. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing that you said. So, I mean, I read a decent amount of books on purpose. I think I have one of them back here. I'm not 100% sure. I'm gonna have to find it. But um, it's called Life on Purpose. And like one of the big things it talks about is how it's purpose is bigger than self. Like the purpose is the whole aspect of helping others, that whole aspect of being fulfilled. And I mean, you could even tie that back to like self-determination theory and like being connected with others and all that jazz. So it's really important, especially like that you hit on the fact that, I mean, helping others is a big part of of purpose. So, so yeah. That's what cranks my tractor, baby, right there is just, (laughs) just being able to help other people. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. For sure. So you've had a bunch of experiences. I I know that you've, you've done a lot. Mm. All right. So one thing that I want to go about asking you is like, how did you go about finding sports soccer? Like, how did you go into that world? Because like I said, you've done a gambit of stuff and I'll let you elaborate on those things. But how did you find sports soccer and what got you into it? Wow. You know, it, it has definitely been a journey. I probably went the odd way. You know, I mean, you got your master's. I worked with you on getting your master's in sports psych. That wasn't Dr. G's world. I did a lot more of the applied. I, I spent a lot more time. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in physical education. Yeah. thought definitely that might be the direction the good Lord was going to take me, stay with high school. But I had a passion for collegiate athletics. Just really did. And, and I had spent some time traveling and doing different things uh, within the sporting world. You know, I, I took one course in my bachelor's degree. Uh, and that one course was sports psych and it was, it was, it was back in the, you know, the mid nineties and it, it still wasn't a growing field. Like it really is. It, I mean, right now it's just blowing up. Uh, and so, but it fascinated me the, the, the cognitive, the mind, really just the pursuit of why performers do what they do, why athletes do what they do. Um, you know, cause my wife is always looking at me going, why do you do what you do? You know, she's always <laughs> asking me that question. So we don't have answers, but there was that, that, that drive. And so as I went through, I ended up getting two master's degrees, both in education, you know, education curriculum and instruction, really just really kind of testing out where I might want to land. But throughout that whole process in involved at, in, in athletics in a big way, whether administrative or coaching or officiating, I was a D1 official for a while. So I've done a lot, but I told myself, if I'm ever going to get a doctorate, that's my passion. My passion was helping and understanding people. And I said, what a gift it would be to be able to speak the language of performance, to speak the language of sport. Yeah. And know that I can impact life. I can help somebody perform to their optimum, feel good about walking off the soccer field, feel great about walking off the baseball field or the softball or the football field, wherever. Feel good about it. Like they actually accomplished something. And so I sought my doctorate. I finished in 2013. Uh, with a PsyD in sports and performance psychology. And as they say, the rest is history. Man, that's, that's super, super dope. So basically, are you saying like you ended up discovering that your, your purpose was to help people within the college athletic realm at a, a younger age while you were doing your undergrad? Or was it at, like once you actually did that, that course in your undergrad, like you did a sports like course, and then you're like, all right, this is it. You know, that, that undergrad course, I mean, I knew I wanted to be, you know, doing something in athletics. I really wanted to coach the rest of my life. That was my dream and goal. And so physical education was kind of the direction you went. There, there wasn't a degree in sports management. There wasn't a degree in coaching. So it really was phys ed. That's really the, the avenue you'd go. Um, but yeah, that, that course, Arch, lit a fire under me. It, there was just something. I still have the textbook. No way. Uh, I mean, that's back from the 90s. <laughs> I still have that textbook. It's actually right here. Okay. You know, okay. so I still have that thing. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was just, 
it was being, it was, it was a matter of being patient as well. Mm -hmm. I was just waiting for the opportunity to where that doctor would be presented. I, I didn't want to get a doctor in, in, in just straight psychology. I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go that route. I really wanted the specialization because that was the field I was passionate about. And again, 30 years of coaching, officiating, administrating, uh, you know, being in that athletic world from the top levels all the way down to just peewee leagues. I really just wanted to find out how I could help people using their passion, i.e. Yeah. sport yeah. Uh, or performance. So um, yeah, I, I'm thankful, honestly, now to the rest of your listeners, that's not obviously the, 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 the greatest path yeah. is to try the Dr. G way because uh, I win a lot. But, you know, I think I benefited in the fact that I gained so much application mm -hmm. uh, as, as opposed to somebody just, you know, just grabbing that degree and jumping into it. I mean, I, yeah. I, you've seen some of my lectures. I mean, I bring a plethora of information yeah, on, on how I made mistakes. And, you know, like I said, the top levels working either, you know, Olympics or with the Rockies or different things. You know, I've worked those. And so I know the mistakes. I see mm -hmm. where I've screwed up, you know. But at the same time, I see the successes. Hey, you know, student A, you might want to try this or do this or think that. So I can, I can bring that applied in nature. Um, which is really what sports psychology is. I, yeah. I'm an applied, uh, you know, SP from that standpoint. Yeah. So I, I love bringing all my experience. I, I think that's how the good Lord kind of packaged it, which is awesome yeah. for me. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I think because of that, my students receive a lot more from me yeah. because of that. I think that the applied section, like you, you hitting on the importance of that. It's, I think that's something that anybody that's in this industry should, should like try to try to hanker for to get those applied experiences because that's where you figure out how to make stuff really work and you actually get to utilize the material and and throw it in there as opposed to like having just the knowledge being able to put it in in layman's terms where other people can understand it and they can go about utilizing it and making it more efficient for like themselves because then you get to truly see if you if you know it or not because I oh mean, yeah if you, if you can't actually give it out to other people then that's that's a big issue. <laughs> you you got to get dirty with it, you know, and it's 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 like trying to figure things out. You just got to get dirty. You got to get in there, play around, mess around, figure out what works, try it, fail from it, grow from it. I mean, that's how we learn. Yeah. And uh, and and I think we learn faster that way because there's the book world, the real world. And man, I've been through the real world and, <laughs> and it's 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 interesting. You need to know how to navigate it, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think my students appreciate that. So you brought up working uh within like the the olympic realm and mm -hmm. for like the listeners that that don't know everything about you and and your story give us like a little bit of that that background working within within the olympics oh wow you know first i'll share with your listeners never never give up on a pursuit never never give up on a drive and uh it was 1994 and i was in san diego california and uh, I was supposed to be doing an internship for the university I was at yeah. and uh, was originally going to set up doing an internship as an assistant volleyball coach for the University of California, San Diego. And uh, UCSD was where I was going to go, met with the coach. And somebody shared with me, they're all, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the men's and women's Olympic team actually is in San Diego. You might want to go see if they need an internship. And so lo and behold, I met a wonderful gentleman, uh, Jim Coleman, uh, who was the director of the training center and the, the Olympic team there in uh, San Diego. And uh, we just struck it off. And I just said, basically, can, Hey, I'll file papers. I'll type up reports. I'll, I'll change trash cans. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just want to be a part of something. And he liked it, accepted it. So unfortunately I passed on UC San Diego 
And uh, honestly, it's kind of a blessing uh, in disguise. And uh, in 1995, I ended up actually dropping out of college intentionally, not to give up on education, but this was an opportunity that afforded me to be with the men's national team on a full-time basis. Wasn't making a whole lot of money, wasn't making a whole lot of coin at all, Uh, but I was with the national team. And and in uh, October of 95, uh, they they invited me to go on a uh, international tour to Paris with them. And so I went with them and we toured, we played the international team from Paris. Uh, the French national team for three, you know, like a week over three competitions. It was great. Loved it. And, uh, and then in uh, December, they said, hey, Ed, uh, beach volleyball is going to be an Olympic sport in Atlanta. Would you like to help us out? Uh, yeah. Okay. Where, where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. And this, this is where the story gets good, Arch. <laughs> so here I am. My, my wife and I, we were dating and we weren't engaged or anything yet at this point, just dating. But, you know, I'm out of college and and so uh, Jim Coleman, the director, comes to me and goes, uh, so here's what we need from you. I said, yeah, I'm more than willing to do anything. He said, we need intel on all the beach teams internationally. Yeah. So that makes logical sense. We need, to, we need scouting reports. He said, so Ed, so we're going to send you to another beach somewhere in the world. And you're going to get paid no to way. sit on. This is true. You're going to get paid <laughs> to sit on a, the beach for a full week, maybe might be two, somewhere in the world. We don't know. We're, we're just going to send you. So literally, they would pay me to watch beach volleyball, record it, videotape it, take scouting reports, um, live out of a suitcase. But I mean, they sent me all over the world with this FIVB, which is the Federation of International Volleyball. And they were the governing body leading to the Olympics. So anybody that competed on that tour were ones that were competing to get a bid into Atlanta because beach volleyball was a first year ever brand new sport in 1996 in Atlanta. So we didn't have a lot of intel. We didn't really have a whole lot of staff, but I was the first ever beach volleyball manager. And so I would sit in Paris and Berlin and London and Germany. Oh, I'd go back to Brazil a couple of times and then there's Spain. (laughs) All right, fine. I'll go to Spain again. And I pay, I, I got paid arch to sit on a beach and watch women play volleyball. That's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad deal. No, I, I, I felt it was my purpose to suffer for the Lord, you know, and <laughs> I, I just, uh, it was a great gig. Yeah. And then after that, uh, because of the work I did, they said, Hey, we're going to take you to Atlanta. And, uh, I got a chance to spend two and a half weeks in Atlanta and watch my men's team win gold and silver medals. The men, both men's teams, we had three men's teams and two of them ended up winning gold and silver medals that year, first year ever beach volleyball. And, uh, so you know, I, I joke about sitting on the beach. It was really cool to meet the international. Yeah. You know, I tell a lot to my students. I've told you before, get outside of the bubble, explore, see this greater world than where you live. And so that was a neat opportunity to experience different cultures that I just can't put a price tag on. Yeah. And I, I was humbled and blessed to be able to do it. Uh, and, and that's one of the main reasons I love taking international trips now with my students. Jeez. Uh, is because it just it, it got a hold of me. It was a bug, and so that that was my limit. After that, I went back to school. I finished my yeah. degree, uh, but but it was it was neat taking two years off just to explore and travel the world and and be a part of that Olympic movement. That was yeah. that was pretty cool. No, it's awesome. Another thing that I thought was really cool from that was the fact that you, I mean, you didn't say it verbatim, but the the grind it took for you to get to that point. Oh. And I think a lot of people think like I think a lot of people think that that's how like life isn't supposed to go that way. Like once you get your, once you get your degree, it's just like snap and I'm going. Or, or <laughs> I'm sorry, did like, I laugh out loud? I apologize. <laughs> like you get your master's and snap, you're going. Or yeah. 
you you work this job for a year and then all right i should be going up to the big leagues i should be doing an associate i should be doing a director deal and that that grind is the most important part i'm pretty sure you learn more about yourself in that grind and you have like things that you take from that and then use that now at this point i would agree with yeah i'd agree too like i think that's something that people people should probably like realize or or just just embrace that grind like embrace the suck because like those moments are the defining moments that you take with you from here all the way until you actually get to that director role like you're not just going to wake up and be that guy or that gal like it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of sacrifice it takes a lot like you said like taking out the trash doing all the other stuff that you never thought you would be doing but it led to so many opportunities yep it really did it opened some doors and uh I definitely don't regret it. It was an incredible mm-hmm. experience. I mean, yes, did it take me a little longer to graduate from my bachelor's degree? Sure, it yeah. did. Uh, but again, the, the the world knowledge that I gained, um, you know, here here I was, I was a U.S. delegate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I'm in another country, having never traveled, mind you. I never had a passport prior to this, prior to going to France with the USA men's team. I never had a passport and I never traveled. So here I am. And I remember my first trip was going to Spain by my by myself and having to navigate and figure out where's the hotel, where do yeah. I need to go, where am I checking in? I can't speak this language. Yeah. You know, how do I order a Big Mac? You know, I mean, things like that. <laughs> Those were the issues that I had to address. Oh, but it was it was it was definitely a, a wonderful experience for me, self-exploration for sure, mm-hmm. just to kind of see what kind of person I am and how I can connect with other people. Uh, different cultures, different, you know, demographics, everything. It was just, it was really cool. And just it, part of a, part of it that definitely was life-changing, uh, you know, and guided me in the direction that I'm at now, for sure. Mm-hmm. So another thing I think is super cool is the fact you've worked from, I mean, sporting teams from like high school or elementary all the way up to like professionals, Olympics, et cetera. Out of all those teams that you've worked with up to this point, which one is there, if there is one that you could pick, which one had the biggest impact on you? Wow, it's um, a good question. You, you know, you you may want to just jump right into, you know, the Olympics, or okay. you may just want to jump into any pro sport or any collegiate team. Um, I, I think one of the the greatest, a lot of it had to do with just the individuals themselves. Yeah. In, in witnessing individuals. When I was working with the Colorado Rockies, we had an outfielder that had really climbed through the minors. His name is Juan Pierre. I don't know if Juan Pierre is still playing. Juan Pierre was our center fielder, great, great kid. He ended up getting actually an Olympic ring, or Olympic ring, excuse me, a, a, a World Series win in a ring uh, with the Marlins. So uh, he finally got his ring, which was kind of cool. But here was a guy, and I just, I admired him. As I was working for the Rockies, he would come out he would do his warm up down the first base line, and then he would stay out almost to the national anthem, walking up and down that first base fence, signing every autograph under the sun. Yeah. And it was awesome from that standpoint. I'm like, who is this guy signing all this stuff? I mean, he just he had a passion for working with other people, and that was cool, you know. Awesome. And 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 loving on other people and giving. I mean, he it, it wasn't about him. I'm sitting there going, here's a guy making millions of dollars and he's investing in other people. He could be a jerk and just say, Hey, you want to pay for this autograph? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not, that's not where he went. And I just admired Juan Pierre. I, I admired his, 
giving soul, I guess, from that standpoint. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's, it's really about the people, I think, for, yeah. you know, the people that you're surrounded by. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So, geez. So I like the, I like the fact that you always come back to the, the whole aspect of people and helping others and people helping people. Yeah. Was that something that was always innate within you or was that something that was just developed or like how, how that process come about? No, it's a good question. Um, you know, I always had a servant heart. Mm -hmm. I remember going to breakfast with my father Saturday mornings. He had a men's men's Bible study group, you know, um, and, and, and he'd go hang out with the men and, and we'd always meet at this little cafe. And I was always the one that enjoyed walking around serving coffee. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. 12, 13 years old. I didn't drink coffee back then. It wasn't cool back then. You know, we, yeah. we didn't have Starbucks back then when I was that <laughs> age. Come on, you young whippersnappers. You know, I mean, but I would, I would walk around and pour the coffee for the old dudes. Yeah. You know, and I just, I had no problem getting up and doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I think from an early age, I always had some sort of calling or some sort of, you know, purpose or felt purpose to just give to others, to help assist mm-hmm. others. Uh, I think that was definitely innate. And I mean, I see it even today. Uh, I just love, you know, doing everything I can for my students, my athletes, my family. Yeah. Uh, you know, anything I can do to assist, I, I try to. So I think it was just kind of cultivated and just, I just, I just had a heart for service. Okay. I respect that. I feel like yeah. I try to be the, I try to be the same way. I, I know how important it is for, like it's a whole aspect of like each one teach one mentality and, and yeah. bringing people along and, and things like that so i can agree with you there for sure for sure that's that's what it was <laughs> so on your road of like discovering your purpose all the all the schools you've worked with uh being a professor etc what setbacks or things got in your way in the attainment of you getting to like where you are now oh mm. uh... Well, I mean, there, there's, there's always obstacles when you're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would love to say that we just all get along with everybody, but we don't. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, working with, you know, individuals that maybe don't support your passion or, yeah. or, or uh, maybe don't believe in the direction you want to take things. And so that's always a challenge. And, and, and it's a challenge in a good way because it forces you as someone who's growing in your leadership ability, someone that's growing in what you're trying to accomplish, uh, to learn to relate to people. Yeah. You know, learn how to work with other people that maybe don't see things the way you do. And that brings about wonderful conversation, hopefully, uh, and, and good growth. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think there's always been challenging moments, whether working with a coach, working with a coworker, um, you, you know, and, and you just learn, you learn to work with them and, and hopefully for the better. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't always go that direction. And, and that's where the good Lord kind of intervenes and he either removes you from the situation or he removes that individual from the situation. Yeah. That that's what happens. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and so, but, uh, you know, there were also challenging times, you know, obstacles in my life. I mean, especially after, <laughs> so after I was done with the Olympics in 96, we did a, um, a post-Olympic tour with the women's national team. So we traveled around the United States playing at some of, you know, University of Nebraska, because uh, we had somebody from University of Nebraska on the team, you know, different different uh, universities that we went to. And then I was kind of done. So this was about August okay. of 96. 
and uh, USA decided to consolidate. And they, they had a, their central hub was in Colorado Springs, Colorado, near the Olympic Training Center. But we had always had the training, you know, the, the teams themselves actually in San Diego. So we had two different, you know, uh, locations. Well, yeah. they decided to close down San Diego. And uh, when they closed down San Diego, they laid off a lot of staff. Obviously, we, they didn't need to travel up there. And so I wasn't, I guess I was kind of laid off. I guess you can say that. I mean, the Olympics, you know, were over. We didn't need much for the beach volleyball side of things. And uh, my job was kind of toast. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to school, if I wanted to just be an average Joe and get a job. And uh, I ended up working just a food cart, actually, in the office complex. <laughs> and I woke up one morning and I was out, I was at the food cart. I'll never forget this. I was out yeah. the food cart and we had to prep sandwiches for that day. And uh, I remember sitting there, Archie, and I'm prepping sandwiches at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I'm like, is this what I want to do with my life? Yeah. And I said, no. And it was like one of those aha moments. It's like, no, this, I, I, I can do more with my life than prepping yeah. sandwiches. God bless anybody that preps sandwiches. Definitely not trying to talk about it. But I, I, for me, I wanted to do more. Yeah. And so I quit that job and I reapplied back to school so I could finish my degree and finish my degree. Yeah. Uh, and really the rest is history. But there are those aha moments where that was an obstacle. I'd been let go from the national team. Uh, there wasn't any job offers. I mean, I'd only at that point had college credits. I hadn't graduated, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So, I mean, it, for me, it was an obstacle and, and I'm thankful that I decided to go back to school. Otherwise mm -hmm. I never would have had you as one of my students. Yeah. You know, See, so I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a trip how God is, you know, my good Lord is just working so far upstream yeah. that, that I can't even see it. And so, um, you know, it, 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 obst obstacles exist and I love obstacles because that means I get to stretch. Yeah. So they still exist even today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, I like, I like the fact you brought up that whole thing of the aha moment because like, as you said, like you have, you have two choices at that point, you know? And, and the thing is, depending on what you choose can determine your reality for the next how many years. Okay. And I think it's, like, I think it's hard. And I brought this up because I had a podcast earlier on, like with, with my sister and it's all aspect of, of betting on yourself when you have those aha moments, because a lot of times it's, it's you and this and, and this, and that's all you can leverage at that point, because yep, that's, yep, that's all yep. you have left. And so if like, you, you got to be careful because your mind will, boy, your mind will play games. Yeah. Uh, you know, your mind is good at telling you you can't. Man. Um, and, and you got to be careful. So, yeah, you have those aha moments. And the nice thing about the aha moments is you don't just have one. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a plethora of aha moments that I've gone through in my life. And, again, it's that fork in the road. you got to make those yeah. decisions. Sometimes they're hard decisions. Um, you know, but, but, but if you're, if you're, if you're true to the course you're you you stay you know you work hard you know you follow that passion that passion is going to show up as you go along uh you're you'll be amazed at where you end up going by far yeah. not for sure yeah see, see now i'm just i just want to like talk about this just because i want to at this point okay but, yeah go. <laughs> but like why do you think people like why do you think when people have those aha moments they'll tend to stay settled or or stagnant or they they fear the they fear what could or what couldn't be as opposed to just doing. We are born, Archer, with two fears. 
It's all we're born with, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Those are the only fears that we're born with. Those are innate. So yeah. all other fears we choose to manifest and believe in. So you have an individual that is fearful of success. Why? Yeah. Because they may have failed in the past and that may have led them to believe that's what defines me. Yeah. And so they're going to hang on to that label and carry it with them, kind of like a, a ball and chain. You know, it's just it's going to be dragged behind them. They can't move. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's but the other individuals, you know, sit there and kind of go, wait a minute. If I gave myself this fear, hmm, can't I ungive myself this fear? Yeah. And so it's always easier to give into our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. It's always easier to give into our complacencies. It's always easier to just say, eh, I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. But that's not what puts your name on the desk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's not, not what puts sure. money in the bank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's, that's not what makes an impact in somebody's life. It's like, no. Life is supposed to be hard. If it wasn't, yeah. everybody, man, everybody would be great. Be, exactly. Everybody would, be, everybody would be Michael Jordan at this everybody point. Everybody would know? be fine at this particular <laughs> point. But life is difficult. And, yeah. you know, you talk to any of the CEOs of the world and the challenges they had to overcome and, you know, the you know this and that and successes, failures. I mean, yeah. you know, always striving. And so I think a lot of times it's easiest just to give into the fear and believe the fear. Yeah, not for sure. Yeah. Especially, I mean when you're hitting on that whole aspect of like people see CEOs and I mean, I've, I've viewed this with anybody who's successful. People always tend to see the, the social media or the Instagram version of that success. Oh, but yeah. They'll never truly see everything else that went into it. Yeah. Or they'll never acknowledge it. They'll just look at the picture and be like, I can't do this. Or like, look at them. They're just great. They they were born with this. This was innate. They, they just magically like God just gave them something awesome and I don't yeah. have it. Yeah. And it's just, uh, well, and it's and it's easy for our mind, from a cognitive standpoint, to go down that road and yeah. and and really, you know, give into the ego. One of the, one of the one of the theories that I use quite often is the achievement motivation theory, that deals with task and ego. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very easy for an individual. You know, ego is a good thing. I always want to try to beat you in an opponent yeah. or a competition. There's nothing wrong with that, because that ego is going to drive me to work hard. But when the ego goes south to a direction of, well, wait a minute you have that. Why don't I have that? Yeah. You know, or kind of the keeping up to the Joneses kind of mentality, always comparing <laughs> ourselves to other people from a negative standpoint. The minute you do that, you take your focus off the task. Yeah. And the real successful ones are the ones that keep their eye on the ball. They see the task, they pursue it. They understand that there's going to be challenges and they fight through it. Yeah. Uh, and they're never sitting there going, woe is me. Why'd somebody else get this? And I didn't get this thing, yeah. you know, kind of mentality. It's like, no, you focus on the task. You can accomplish this. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's good insight. Yeah. That's yeah. good insight there. Yeah. So like while we're, while we're on the whole aspect of, of talking about like successes, failures, and, and learning things from our failures, was there a specific point in which you wanted to just stop or quit or you just felt like you just couldn't push anymore, but you, you ended up just pushing through it and getting to where you needed to? Well, again, making sandwiches that one morning definitely okay. was a uh, was was an obstacle to stop and just yeah. you, you either keep doing it or you don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am blessed to have been married for 22 years and raising four children, one of them in college, one in high school, two in middle school. That alone, right there, will make you pretty humble. Uh, <laughs> just raising children. Yeah. Uh, as, as I think as a parent, you always get to that little point where it's like, man, why did we have these children? Why, yeah. why, you know, and so you get pushed, 
but at the same time, I think being a parent has also given me the ability to develop love, to develop yeah. patience, to develop, I mean, all the fruits of the spirit, uh, you know, in, in our ability to help people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think I've had any in athletics per se, because okay. that's my kind of zen. That's where I enjoy working with people. I deal with clients all the time and athletes all the time that are struggling with some horrific things, um, you know, but, but it affords me an opportunity to bring a little light into the world. Yeah. To, to show them how they can make this happen, how they can push through this. Yeah. Um, so for me, from the athletic standpoint, yeah, it, you know, any, any opportunity, any of those, those, those growing pains or those, you know, potential areas of blockage. Yeah. But, but again, I wake up every morning going, Hey, I've got air in my lungs and yeah. a beating heart and dag nab, I'm going to make something of myself today. Yeah. So I'm going to go impact the life. I'm going to impact the life, you know? I can respect that a lot. I know me personally, like I've had moments in my life getting up just to here at 25 to where like I questioned my path, whether that was while I was playing sports <laughs> where you're like, I don't want to play football anymore. Or yeah. even like considering the whole thing with a master's degree and then graduating with a master's degree. And like, do I really want to do like you, you have those moments oh, yeah. where you, you just sit there and you got to. <laughs> You gotta figure I know what it you mean. Sometimes. Archie's sitting in anatomy physiology going, what am I doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why am I in this? Yeah, no, you're not even I lying. You. I mean, I'm trying to think back to a specific point. There, there was a point while I was in grad school, wow, I had to get ready for some presentation. We we're working with some team at some point. And I was getting stressed out about that. It was with the fire department. We we're doing the thing for Riverside okay. Fire Department. Yeah, so I'm sitting there stressing out about that. All right, trying to get everything done. On top of that, at that point, I was working at a um, a group home for at-risk youth, and I was working ten-hour shifts because it was like I got to go to school throughout the week, and I got to work these like long shifts on the weekends to make sure I could pay for stuff. Like I need money in my pocket. I that whole you. thing of the grind. I'm pretty sure everybody, like everybody's probably been through that, or experienced that. Oh yeah, they have. But um, one of the one of the weeks before I actually was getting ready for to present, we had a kid who was kind of off the rails all right like it was, he came back he came back from uh, a group trip or a family home trip or whatever and came back he was a little bit like inebriated and it was it was just bad it was like we're like yo like, why'd you drop him off like this like we don't know what's going on he's freaking out he starts yelling and screaming and while that's going on we had another kid that was just i don't know what was going on with him but something was just this off that day so the kid that was inebriated almost tried to jump out of a two-story building and I had to try to catch him. All right. So I catch him from jumping out the building, get him back inside. And while that's happening, we also have a kid who we, we didn't know what was going on. He almost like he took a lot of something because we had to call him the ambulance hospital, whatever, to get that whole thing mitigated. So that was all going on. And I'm like, all right, I got to get ready for this fire department stuff. And then I had a test going on. And I was like, I don't want to do grad school. And I was like, what am I doing this for? I was like, <laughs> that, was like one of, that was like one of those first times when I was in grad school. I was like, yo, like what is going on? Like, why am I doing this? And yeah, I questioned yeah. like everything about it. Sure. And I mean, I'm happy that I, I stuck with what I stuck with my guns and stuck with like my passion was at that point, what my purpose was, what I felt it believed it was. But I mean, I feel like if you don't have a, a set guide, like how you said, if you don't have like a purpose or passion for that thing when those moments come up, or if you don't have the self-awareness to be able to sit back and like, all right, let's make sure we're good here. 
you find yourself falling victim to those moments where you question everything. Oh, sure. Because you will be tested. Yeah. 100% you're going to be tested and we're going to find out whether you're really passionate about this or yeah. not. Yeah. No, that's for sure. For sure. Yeah, very cool. Man. <laughs> so, okay. I know you're big now, like on the, on the, on the sports psych tip of everything. And one thing that I saw just from like reading through a few things was that you, you're big on helping the whole athlete holistically. Mm-hmm. What, what brought that along? Like give the, the listeners, what do you mean by that whole aspect of holistic? I, I just want to hear some more insight on that. Sure. You know, for me, holistically is understanding how we can apply this in life, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm working with an athlete, understanding that it's not just on the football field, but it's in life in general. Yeah. So, you know, if you rewind 10 years ago, Archie, when you were, you know, when you were going through football concussions, remember concussions was the big buzzword. I mean, everybody was put on hold and oh my goodness and what do I do and and so and, and but then we finally got to a point where it's like okay we got this under we got this under control yeah. athletic trainers got procedures and we got policies and all this kind of stuff testing went on all this kind of stuff well we're now in an era where mental health is the new buzzword yeah on a on a grander scale and and I think universities if I can just start there as a whole have started to realize the importance of the whole student athlete, not just what we see on the field. So if we take a look at what's going on in today with COVID-19, and I'm a huge college football fan, you know that. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I love watching it. I I just, that is my sport. Yeah. But at the same time, we got to step back and we understand these athletes are out there because they're passionate. They love their sport even during a pandemic, but we also got to take a look at the whole package. Yeah. So what stress might they be going through knowing they're performing in a pandemic and how is that affecting them outside of the bubble of the football field? So I'm using that as an example. So colleges, universities across the you know, United States and, and, and probably even internationally as well are starting to notice, hey, we got to look at the holistic, the whole picture, yeah. not just the athlete and how he or she performs and, and the mental health associated there, but then outside of it, uh, how are we taking care of that athlete or yeah. that performer uh, when they're eating and they're stressed about homework? And, and so it's really looking at the bigger picture. And so what I try to do in my teaching is I try to speak the language of athletics, but apply it in life. Yeah. Okay. Because you will continue to run the race yeah. outside of athletics, you know, and, and you need to be taking advantage of opportunities and pursuing the prize of a degree, you know, and the championship of a degree. Yeah. And so if I can bring ways to make it holistic. And so really here's my challenge for your listeners. Okay. Is finding ways to make, you know, cause you have the adaptive and the natural style when we're looking at human behavior. So the adaptive is you at work, the natural is you and your sphere of influence. And so really finding a way to bridge both, Okay, so that you have a greater understanding of your behaviors, your characteristics, uh, your mental practice, how you prepare for things uh, in, in life. Because the reality is, if, if that listener is happy at home, they're going to be happy at work. Yeah. You know, and it, you, you can't have one without the other. And so that mental health, that cognitive health aspect needs to bleed, be organic, needs to be holistic, go back yeah. and forth to where it's not just, hey, you scored a touchdown, great. Okay, wonderful. But 
how are you managing the stress of a girlfriend, a boyfriend, yeah. uh, a family member that maybe passed away? So, you know, how are you handling the stress of life? You know, what you're going to do after college? Yeah. Uh, and so that's where I try to make it very holistic in my approach when I'm working with student athletes, yeah. especially about how, how they can mirror the two. Because uh, it's, it's, it's communicating the language of athletics is really what it is for them. That's dope. That's actually yeah. really sick. Yeah. I feel like cool. it needs to be like that. I mean, from being a former athlete, and this is something that, I mean, I've talked to other former athletes or current athletes about that. I feel like they should add in like with that holistic approach that you're talking about. Like once you're at the, that tail end of your, your high school or not high school, of your, of your college career or maybe professional career, coming up with a way of doing a whole holistic deal of like tying in that, that mental health aspect, the kind of aspect and finding ways to apply that within life, but also, I mean, coming up with ways to bring in people that are sound and, and privy with finances and teaching people how to like learn how to do real work and real job stuff at the end, because finding that passion and desire from like a mental aspect from a sport into the, the real job field yeah. is hard enough on its own. Oh, and yeah. then, and then like tying that along with the whole thing of, okay, I've never really done a real interview. I've never created a resume. I don't know how to, to do any of this stuff. I don't know how to manage finances, really. I took a business course for four years, but they never really taught me how to manage a checkbook. I don't know yeah. how to do investments or anything else. And I feel like they need to find a way to mold that all into one thing to where you could bring in just, just a bevy of people where you have like your, your mental health, you have your your, your career center people, you have you have everything and just bring in a whole holistic approach of making sure that the athlete leaves yep. with a new fire, a new desire for something other than sport. Because as you said, it's going to end at some point, no matter, no matter how great you are. But coming up with a way of developing that whole holistic athlete when it's all said and done, I feel like that's, I feel like that's the next step for, for mental health within, within sports. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and I think more of the practitioners are definitely gravitating towards that mm -hmm. because they understand, again, mental health is, is, is a huge buzzword. And yeah. so we, we need to find a way to really, you know, take it off the ball field, find a way yeah. how we can apply life. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. So one thing that I want to go about asking you, and this is just for people that are getting into the whole sports psych field or the whole thing of consulting. Um, and I feel like this is just something that I think they, they should hear from somebody that's, that's doing it and has done it. But how did you go about uh, creating a way to connect with your athletes to make them actually have that buy-in for what you're saying? Well, I, I think like in any relationship, Archie, it's built on trust. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, for me with my athletes, if I can speak that language with them, mm -hmm. Uh, if I can show them that I've been there, uh, that I can empathize for me, it's a, you know, it's, it's that empathy level. It's more yeah. than it's empathy. Let me connect with you. Yeah. You know, it's like you and I, we can empathize about college football. I've worked the sidelines with football teams before. I've been on those sidelines. I know what goes on. I've been at those practices. Okay. So we can kind of empathize from that standpoint, you having played me having coached kind of been mm -hmm. on the sidelines with, we can empathize. Once we empathize, the connection is there. You know I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay? And I can speak that language. And it's a unique language to that particular sport. And so for me, there does need to be that jack-of-all-trades kind of mentality where I'm perfecting my craft, my profession, by understanding languages, understanding yeah. the way to speak. Case in point, you know, here at California Baptist University, I've swam, I swim but I've never worked with swimming. So when invited and, and given the opportunity to 
uh, work, you know, mental performance and, 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 you know, sports psychology with the swim team there at California Baptist. Great. I loved it, but I had to learn. Yeah. I had to learn how to speak that language and it took some time. But once I was able to uh, carry on a conversation where I knew what they were talking about, the trust was there. And once the trust is established, now we have that relationship. Now we can be honest with each other. Now we Mm -hmm. can communicate openly with each other without restrictions. Yeah. And so when you can do that, you get to the heart and soul of that individual, which is where you want to go because that's where they need the help. Yeah. That stuff deep down inside that they normally don't want to tell anybody. You find a way you're able to connect and build that connection to where now it's like, okay, all right. I, I trust Dr. G now, yeah. now I, I can open up a little more. And then again, you know, after that, then you see them grow. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. So, you know, it, it, for me, it's built on trust and empathy really kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with you there for sure. And I think a big thing that you said was learning the language. I feel like that is the biggest thing. So over here, I do uh, performance sports psych for the for the army, but specifically we work with helicopter pilots. Oh, sweet. So it's really cool. But when I first got into the job, it's like I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. I didn't know anything about going to the flight line. I didn't know anything about um, pilots having to learn specific emergency procedures and startup procedures and, and things like that. And I mean, you could teach them a bunch of cool stuff, but if you don't know that language, that buy-in isn't going to be, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Like you may get one or two possibly, but in order to get that full buy-in, knowing that language is key. And I feel like that's something for anybody that's, that's going into the whole consulting realm is to do your homework and learn the language. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And so, you know, uh, you need to understand the difference between a Comanche and a Huey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, you know, you need to understand the difference between what a what a deck is, and, yeah. and you know, what what does deck mean in the in the swimming realm? Yeah, you know, what does a dolphin kick mean? You know, yeah. what is you know breathing off the wall? Should we do that or should we not do that? I mean, simple things like that. Yeah, because those are going to be part of the goals that the athletes set, and so yeah. you need to understand how to orchestrate those goals so that the athlete can go and grow in their confidence and and really just gain gain you know. Uh, a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful reaching the destinations that they want to go. So yeah. uh, learning that language is key. I agree. Yeah. And something that was told to me uh, when I did one of my first courses out here was it, it's pretty simple, but it basically says they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm-hmm. And a big portion of showing that you care is doing the homework to make sure you could speak that language with that individual, no yeah. matter the sport, whether it's the business realm, whether it's, whether it's in the, within the army, like that whole aspect, like it's, you have to, you have to do that homework on your end. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's a saying I use, I've used that as a teaching philosophy mm-hmm. uh, anytime I've worked with students. Yeah. It's true. Once they feel that you care, once they know that you're passionate about helping them. Yeah. Then they're on board. Yeah. Then no, they're on sure, board. For sure. Yeah. So uh, the last few questions that I have, and, and this one, I, I just want to hear from you because, I mean, I just know who you are and like how you, how you operate. So I know faith is a big thing for you. Yeah. So yeah. like what advice would you give to practitioners or people in general who want to find a way to bring their faith into their work, but do it in a respectful manner to where it's, it's, it's respectful. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I, I got you. I'm tracking with you. I mean, obviously yeah. it, it you know, at California Baptist University, I'm blessed to be at a university where I can share my faith. Yeah, uh, I'm blessed to be at a job where I can do that. I know that's not always the case. 
Uh, and so I'm not ignorant to that. But at the same time, I do try to work with my students or try to work with my clients on helping yeah. them understand how faith can be a wonderful coping mechanism for stress. Mm -hmm. Faith is a very passionate thing. I, I, you don't have to be, you can be Christian, Catholic, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. Your faith means something very specific to you and purposeful for you. And so I will utilize a lot of faith. And so if you're a consultant uh, or, you know, you're an individual just working with people, maybe you're not working in the world of sports psychology, but you're working with people, having a conversation, getting to that empathetic level where you can understand a person's faith, you can utilize that to help strengthen them. doesn't mean you have to believe in that faith. But mm -hmm. you can utilize that faith. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got what you're saying there. Okay. So, I mean, I've I've got a student right now that I'm working with, and she's Hindu. I'm not Hindu. I'm I'm Christian. So, though there might be a lot of differences, still mentioning or being able to say, you know, using one's faith is powerful because it's personal. Mm -hmm. and so you can use that faith as a drive to overcome some of the negative things that go on in life. Yeah. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress. Hang on to your faith. Find a way to use your faith to navigate you out of the stress. What do you lean on? Is it something as prayer? Is it chanting? Is it, is it just meditation? So, you know, I, I use that as one of my tools, one of my many tools that I have within sports psychology and mental performance coaching, you know, as, as just a way to tap into the soul of an individual. Yeah. Uh, because that, again, can be very personal. And, and so, you know, yeah, to reiterate, faith is a wonderful tool because it's a great coping mechanism. Um, you know, think about it when something stressful happens in your life, something, I mean, massive happens nine times out of 10, regardless of where you are religion wise, you probably say a prayer at that particular point. It's probably the first thing you yeah. go to, you know, it's almost an instinct. So that's where you go. That's where you travel when, when challenges happen. And, and so, you know, utilizing that to help that individual grow in their strength is huge. And so it's, it's navigating, it's understanding what to say and how to say it. Yeah. Um, you know, when it needs to be said, obviously you need to be delicate with it. You need to be gentle with it because since you are dealing with such a personal subject, you can't just jump in there and go, ah, you know, I mean, you've, you've got to, you've got to navigate, you've got you to walk on some eggshells yeah. a little yeah. bit respectfully. Yeah. Because you are dealing with the soul of the individual. Yeah. Not you for know? sure. So because of that, it's very personal. But yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, I've seen a lot of benefit from it. A lot yeah. of benefit from it. See, I was just asking that question just because I know certain people may be afraid to bring up that certain aspect, just in sure. the fear of like maybe coming off a certain way, or as you said, they don't want to just, they don't want to come off to somebody else's is, is maybe yeah. this or that. So I just wanted to hear from, from your perspective, how you gone about bringing in faith within your practice. Cause for the listeners out there that go about utilizing that, it could be an effective tool for, for them. Oh, definitely can. And I think a lot of it's just timing. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll just know when you've made that connection with the athlete and yeah. where, where you can take that conversation yeah. back. I mean, it needs to be very organic. Like I said, you can't just force it out there. Yeah. Um, and, and whether you're at a secular institution, whether you're at a, you know, faith-based institution, it's still, I mean, you know, you, you, you still are, are going to deal with individuals that either are of faith or not of faith, but still mm -hmm. have some sort of connection. Uh, and, and the more consulting and counseling you do through that, you'll find out what direction you can go with it. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Okay, so like for somebody like yourself, all right, like you've accomplished a lot. You've probably hit or, or obtained uh, maybe your, your North Star goal at this point. I mean, I'm not sure if you have, but possibly you have. Mm. What 
how'd you go about discovering if you did reach that North Star goal or that, that pinnacle of what you, you plan, what you set out to reach? How'd you go about restructuring and reframing and, and kind of getting yourself back fired up again to find that new purpose or that new North Star goal within your life? Wow. Great question. You know, I, I don't know if my goals ever cease. Okay. Uh, I want my goals to be liquid. I want them to be something that are redefined every day. Okay. Um, because that's going to give me drive. Okay. Uh, I mean, sure. I've got tangible goals. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to win a national championship. Sure. Yeah. I, I got those things, but those don't complete me. Okay. okay? Those don't define me. Yeah. Uh, how I handle situations, how I go through situations. I've always had a saying I've used. Situations don't define you. How you go through situations is what defines you. Mm. And so even in everything going on in 2020, oh, are we ready to just kind of be done with 2020? I tell you what, you know, but <laughs> we're living in a case study, aren't you? Yeah. We're living in a case study. It doesn't matter sure. whether it's pandemic or racial injustice. We're living in a case study. Yeah. And so I, I would be ignorant not to want to learn through this and then be able to find ways to apply it to my students. So I, I guess if I have a goal, it's just to understand and embrace what's going on and then find ways to help others through this. Yeah. That's, that's my daily goal. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Never season, always continue to, to help others at the end of the day. Never, like never give up. That's a great line right there from, uh, from a, uh, a, a Tim Tim Taylor movie right there, yeah. Tim Allen movie. So um, <laughs> oh, never, yeah. never give up. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, uh, you know, I'll go full circle with this whole conversation. You know, life is all about two choices. Yeah. You got to decide what choice you want to make. Not for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome. Okay, so this is the last question of the day. All right. Mm -hmm. And this one's for you. You're, you're, the, you're the interviewer now. All right. This is like a fun little deal I do with people. Interviewer asking, you know, interviewee asking the interviewer a question. So uh, you can ask a question, whether it's wacky, whether it's serious. I don't really care. Just go by asking whatever and I answer it to the best of my abilities. All right. Sounds good. Well, you know, I used to be a disc jockey for about three years. I had my own. So I'm going to spend some wax here and we're going to go oldies and moldies on you here. So okay. I'll break out my best DJ voice for you at this particular time. <laughs> I, I think the major question I've got going on right now, Archie, I've known you for a while, brother, but honestly, what's up with that hair? Man, do you know what? <laughs> you know, uh, it's a little bit wacky, a little bit wild. So, I mean, right now, I've kind of been letting it grow out. Just having the old natural thing, just embracing nice. it, you know? Keep it real, baby. Keep it real. I'm, like just, it. I'm just kind of embracing it. I'm probably going to cut it down a little bit. See, I usually, so when I was back at, uh, when I was back at CB, when I was back in California, my sister would braid it up sometimes. Nice. In my head, I was like... I kind of want to grow it out and see how long it gets. So the next time I go home, she could braid it up and see what it looks like. Okay. So, <laughs> so now I can ask then, cause you're working, you're working military here, my man. Yeah, yeah. no, we're, we're good doing that. We're contractors. I know you are your contract. I'm just yeah. curious if any of the other uh, cadets maybe give you a hard time. No, no, no. They're usually cool with me. I, I have a good time with them. I bring up football. I bring up sports. We talk about this. <laughs> and everything's fine, yeah, right? Yeah, we, we, we have fun talking back and forth with each other. So usually like they're, they're very receptive of me. So it's, they haven't had any, they haven't had anything counterproductive to say about my hair yeah, to this okay, point. Good, they might be good. thinking it. So as long as they're well, not saying okay. it. I mean, you know, we're we're in quarantine. I understand the hair does what the <laughs> hair does. I got you, brother. So uh, so I've just been dying that. That was my question. I've just been dying. That. So. No, I respect it. Yeah, I respect it a bunch. 
Uh, again, Dr. G, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day. And this is something that I say to everybody. Time is something that you can never get back. So I really appreciate you taking out uh, time that you have specifically in your day just to talk with me and to, to speak to other viewers and listeners. And hopefully they're able to take something from this and utilize it to the best of their abilities, man. But for, I mean, overall, just really appreciate you, your time, your insight of the knowledge that you gave. And thank you again. My pleasure, my honor. Thank you for having me, Archie. Again, want to give a big thank you to Dr. G for taking that time out of your day and gracing us with some really good knowledge, man. You know I appreciate everything that you've done for me since grad school and, I mean, even up to now. So, again, thank you for your time. Uh, if any of you ever want to reach out to Dr. G, I'm pretty sure you can hit him up on LinkedIn. Uh, schedule a conversation if you're somebody who... Uh, as an athlete and wants some consulting done as well, don't mind hitting him up on LinkedIn, man. He's a he's a great insight and he'll help you get to that next level in the sports psychology realm. All right, but with that being said, hey, Purpose Finders, have a great rest of your day. Peace out.